Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. Dukes, we are 18 days away from college football. That is very exciting news, and we have a fun show planned for you guys out there. It is great to see you. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the program. We do appreciate it. You will hear from Josh Kendall of The Athletic coming up a little bit later on on the show. We will focus today on all of the swing games inside of SEC play that could decide championships, divisions, the futures of coaches. I don't know. All kinds of stuff. We got some camp notes because there are practices happening across the conference. Um, the coaches poll came out just right before we started recording, so we'll get to that real quickly. Uh, and, of course, we have uh, an announcement coming up in just a second. However, Aaron Dugan, before we do that, oh, we have to remind the audience and the listeners, the wonderful, amazing, dedicated Fringe Element listeners, that, in fact, this podcast is brought to you by... Jasper's Trucking Through Life with a Cocktail. <laughs> I, I can't. Bad. That's not bad. Okay. <laughs> I, in fact, I would spend most of my life trucking through life with a cocktail as long it's as just, we have a designated driver. There's just like a Ram or I don't know the difference between trucks. I don't know what I'm talking about. Ford F-150. I don't know. I'm probably offending everyone. No free but There's just a truck on this dirt pile out in front of where I'm looking out of my window in my apartment. And I couldn't <laughs> think of anything except for the word truck. So it's Sorry, okay. Jaspers. <laughs> I, I, I'm big on. Uh, I, I, dr I drive. Uh, I'm on my second Tacoma, so I'm uh, no free shouts, but I'm I'm pretty loyal to the Tacomas. Jaspers, of course, great menu. The next evolution of the sports bar, great place to watch games. The Olympics are done. Uh, obviously, they're kind of revamping the menu here, so we're gonna have some new menu items here shortly. So, Dead Pack Cat and all the great people over at Four Top Hospitality doing work to get you a fantastic experience at Jaspers, where you can park for free. You can so park for free. Which is important. And you can drink for free. No, really? you can't. But that'd be cool. Wait a second. Wait a second. What did she now say? Now people are actually swarming the restaurant. <laughs> you can't find parking because I have now announced that drinking's free. So then <laughs> the parking lot is full. There's not enough parking now. And you can't actually drink for free. But we're sitting on a throne of lies on this podcast. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we um, are completely off the rubric, the marketing rubric, and we have gone down some weird, weird side street and I don't know. Jaspers, we're sorry if everyone walks into your doors <laughs> expecting free cocktails because they're not. You have to pay for them. Uh, all right. So, again, Josh Kendall coming up. Swing games in 2021. Got a couple of camp notes. People getting suspended already. Great. Um, coaches poll here in just a second. But uh, an announcement. So here's the deal with the announcement. We, we said this last week on the show that we were going to have a big announcement for you today on the show. And the announcement is that we can't fully make the announcement yet. The ink is not dry. But I can tell you this. There will be a third voice, someone you will know, who, who will be joining us for the duration of the college football season to talk SEC football every single week on the show. And we're very excited about it. You will find out who that person is next week, Aaron. I cannot wait. I'm very excited. But the ink isn't dry yet, so we can't tell everybody who that person is. They will. But I actually... Don't you have another secret? I, I do. Just Are on you going to say that? On a scale of... One to Sam Pittman. How excited are you about our third voice on the show coming up this fall? That's not fair to do to him to compare him to Sam Pittman. I asked the tough questions. On one to 10. I'm like a, God, that's tough. I'm like an 8.9 compared to Sam Pittman because everyone's a full point away from Sam Pittman. <laughs> so he's 1.1 away on the excitement scale. 
We'll find out about uh, how many points away Arkansas is from all the other teams in the SEC coming up soon because football is coming. So that's nice part transition. Of, that's we'll see what part, yeah, that's part of our announcement. I know it's unfulfilling, but <laughs> we will get you an actual name next week when the ink is actually dry on all this stuff. So can't wait for that. But we will have a third voice. We'll have a third member of the of the Fringe Element podcast team starting in two weeks, and you'll hear uh, about that coming up next week. I will be doing on Saturday mornings, if you care, you may not, I will be doing ESPN radio. So I have been hired by ESPN out of Bristol to do Saturday mornings from 10 until noon Eastern time. Lots of gambling stuff on the show. We get to lead into the college football schedule every single Saturday morning. So uh, some career news there, I guess, for me. That is exciting and a really big deal. And you know, I don't like complimenting you, but that's a big deal. (laughs) So if I'm, if I am happy for you and elated for you, it means that it's actually really cool because I hate complimenting you. Yes, you do. (laughs) Um, There's no question about that. So uh, I have uh, returned to ESPN, which is cool. Um, And you can hear us uh, check us out Saturday mornings. And then of course we will have more information about the announcement that was supposed to happen this week, next week on the show. So we're sorry about that. Braden's a big fat liar. But I'm a big fat liar. So there's not really a, a need to address my weight. I don't really. It's not actually. I don't. I would never actually call okay. anyone fat. Okay. I uh, can't say the same for you, but. Wow. Remember? I I've ever called anybody fat. I, I'm i not going to call you out, but you absolutely did on this podcast. <laughs> Who did I call fat? <laughs> I feel bad now. You, you felt bad then too a little. You oh, okay. said okay, you're well, mad that. You're mad that Jim Cheney wouldn't take a pay cut. Oh. <laughs> so you said, um, loosen, loosen your belt, Jim Cheney. Everybody else is, and yours is fairly large anyway. That's that's disrespectful. Leave me. it in. That's disrespectful by me. The coaches <laughs> poll is out. It came out on Tuesday and 63 first place votes, I believe, out of 65. Alabama, number one team in the nation, of course. Uh, Clemson 2, Oklahoma 3, Ohio State 4, Georgia 5, Texas A&M 6. Those are your Sounds answers. familiar. Sounds exactly like Athlon Sports, actually. Florida 11, LSU 13, a little high there, potentially. LSU 13. Uh, let's see. Old Mississippi 25th, a preseason ranked team. Lane Kiffin in one season has brought Ole Miss into the preseason rankings they are 25th in the preseason poll, also receiving votes. The Auburn Tigers at, let's see here, 26, 27, 28, 29. Um, God, Liberty and Hugh Freeze is 30, by the way, which is fascinating. Wow. Fascinating. Uh, Kentucky is next, about 35 in the rankings. Then Missouri got a few votes, about 40th in the rankings. So there's Is Mississippi your- State not eighth overall? <laughs> what happened to that? Very well done by you. Thank you. Um, no, in fact, Mississippi State <laughs> did get two points. They are behind Arkansas, who got three points Ooh. in the vote, which makes Mississippi, by my count, 11th, not in the country, but in the SEC. It's a long fall from the top. <laughs> if you want to rock and roll. Uh, so there's your coaches. Well, I don't, I don't know how much it, it matters. I don't know. Coaches, uh, do they actually even vote for it? I, I don't know. Are they having like their... Their PR people and their SIDs vote for it, probably. So uh, that take take that. It's take very that possible. For what it's yeah. LSU seems a little high for me, but that's about it. It's because it's like, what are you basing that on? The name you're based. I mean, I there's the there's some. It just seems like that's a ri- that's risky. That's that seems very optimistically high to me. But what do I know? 
<laughs> You're the host of an SEC podcast. It's very distinguished. I mean, I know I would, I personally would interview my coaching staff before they got on campus. Um, but that's <laughs> all I can say about myself, maybe in terms of my knowledge compared to Coach O. But we'll Bye. see. Only Bye. time will tell. Feisty Aaron Dugan is my favorite Aaron Dugan. Um, all right. Man, so, so camp notes, a couple of quick camp notes here. Things uh, before we get into our, our um, swing games and then Josh Kendall a little bit later on coming up. Joey Gatewood at Kentucky was taking first team reps. Joe Milton at Tennessee was taking first team reps. Does it mean anything? I don't think so. I still think you've got a three horse race in, in Lexington. Waiting for it. Waiting for oh. it. You want me to congratulate you on a Kentucky horse joke? I'm not going to do that. Tennessee. uh, I want you to want to be better. (laughs) Just going to watch me die alone out there. Positive reinforcement. I'm going to go with positive reinforcement. And that you left no room for it right there. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Also (laughs) a three name race in Knoxville. I think Brian Maurer is sort of out of that race, but Hendon Hooker's taking reps. Harrison Bailey's got a skill set that works. We've talked about Will Levis and, Bo Allen at Kentucky. So I, I don't know if there's anything to be taken from who gets first team reps. Like these guys are going to rotate. So I, I just, we'll see. I, I have no idea. I think it's the Kentucky one is way more interesting to me because Kentucky's an actual football team this year. I think that Tennessee could just merge those three together. That would <laughs> really, really help them out. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not past the horse joke. I'm not going to lie. All right. Fine. Have you been thinking about that before? This no, it literally it just happened. Okay, I'm okay, just okay. a dad. I'm just a dad who sometimes makes stupid dad jokes. It just happens. Okay. But then I, <laughs> but then I was calling attention to it and that's the real part where I failed. Like I should have just kept going, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Cause I was just looking down at my notes and just, I mean, I heard you, but I, I didn't know that you wanted. A round I, was of applause. Just sure, I was just making sure you were listening. Oh, uh, you're just horsing around. John Rice um, Plumley, the quarterback, former quarterback at Ole Miss, is now exclusively a wide receiver, so he can get better at that, according to Lane Kiffin, as they opened up camp in Oxford. And, of course, Matt Corral entrenched as the starter. I, I don't know. If you can move him back to quarterback if you need him, great. But he is a weapon, so you got to get him on the field. Probably the right move for, for uh, old Kiffy. And in terms of, you know, obviously there's still some unknowns, and we're talking about Tennessee rotating, and then, you know, there's just other – Different teams still have multiple guys contending for that starting quarterback position. But I will say that I, I, I'm not going to lie. I I was way deeper into the LSU fall camp notes than any other team by a landslide because that is a huge question mark for me still 18 days away from the first game of the season. <laughs> you, you went down the LSU football rabbit hole and, and never came out. It's, I really uh, didn't. Like I was like, Braden, I'm sorry. I, I just got stuck in LSU. I'm not going to lie. Just drowning in Holland days. Um, so you also know it's close to football time when players start getting suspended. Texas a defensive lineman McKinley Jackson was suspended by the team after he was arrested on Thursday last week on two drug charges, including possession of a controlled substance, a second degree felony. Uh, he had a, a, just under two ounces of marijuana, which to me is not that big a deal. But the the controlled substance apparently what controlled uh, it, substance was I, it? I, I don't know. It, it, the charge under Texas law carries a possible pen, possible penalty of two to 20 years in prison oh, and God. a fine of up to $10,000. So I'm assuming like probably fentanyl or something. I don't know. I um, mean, it also isn't it controlled to isn't like, isn't that also like Adderall? It possibly. It, I, get, I mean, it, it literally could have been like an Adderall. <laughs> also, it depends on how much. Two ounces of really good weed, about $800. You know, I don't, not that I know, but like, you know, about $800. Um, I didn't know if I'd find myself con- 
Googling control to substance laws in the state of Texas, but that's what I'm doing. So second degree felony. So um, the, the football story here is that Texas A&M, the strength of their team was going to be their defensive line. They still have some studs on that defensive line, but Jackson was going to be one of them, probably the third best player on that defensive line this year. So if you're going to, you know, try to beat Alabama, which we're going to talk about in a minute this year, and catch up with them, you need as many bodies as you can. And, and Jackson, very talented, but obviously dumb. <laughs> so, so again, having a little weed in the car, I don't care. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip on a kid for that because that's like that's like all humans in the world. But do we smart. know those are just those are just initial charges? Like that doesn't necessarily mean that it's really been looked into, does it? Because I remember this happened you, to a arrest, player that I know. How about was. this? How about this? It says that the Brazos County District Attorney's Office said that the arrest was made after an investigation. Hmm. Oh, damn. Okay, he's actually that's in trouble. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember this. I've heard stuff happening before with, like, guys getting pulled over with, like, a prescription for, like, an oxycodone because they broke their ankle off. And then the cops arrest him only to find out that they actually had a prescription. But no, he's he's actually in trouble. And and honestly, like two ounces of weed is probably not a normal personal amount of weed to be carrying around. You mean he's sharing? (laughs) Just you get an eighth (laughs) and you get an eighth and you get a quarter. It's just not that again, not that I know any of the lingo. I'm just saying. All right. So McKinley Jackson. So generous. Suspended. (laughs) We should not be laughing about this. I'm in a Uh, really weird mood. I'm sorry. All right. So again, Texas A&M down a defensive lineman. So there's your notes from camp already. Again, we're just about a weekend. Uh, most people haven't even practiced more than a couple of days. So we'll have some more for you next week when we make our big announcement, of course, and our third voice joins us on the show. Uh, all right. So swing games is going to be our focus before we get to Josh Kendall coming up a little bit later on in the program. And what I wanted to do with this, Aaron, was we wanted to pull together games. And this first section of games are games that aren't going to decide division and conference championships. All of this conversation has an asterisk next to it that is titled Alabama. (laughs) We are doing our best to try to make the case as to what games might decide the conference championship under the assumption that maybe someone can challenge Alabama. Okay. Right. I think we have to assume that for it to be just not be the most boring thing ever. Right now behind Alabama. Listen, I think all SEC games are great. So I'm going to watch all of them. But there's 10 or 12 or 13 games that could really decide and dictate what the divisions and the SEC championship game and potential playoff teams look like in this league. What are the swing games? Games where the the favorite team to win the game is on the road, potentially in a speed bump sort of situation where maybe somebody gets upset. And so some of these will be obvious. We'll go in reverse order. Uh, But before we do that, the first tier of these games are sort of important games, interesting games that definitely could dictate the the trajectory of some programs and some teams in the sec, but that are not going to factor into the conference championship race. So for example, Kentucky at Mississippi state on Halloween weekend, just for example, Kentucky's pretty good team. Expect them to be pretty good this year. They're at Mississippi state. That's a really big swing game for both of those teams this year. Again, the next one on the list is Auburn at Arkansas. For example, September 16th, Arkansas, Mm -hmm. we don't expect to be a great team. So October 16th, (laughs) Either way, middle of the year, if Arkansas wins that game and pulls an upset, they might have a chance at a bowl game. It it, it might send them into a positive trajectory. Whereas if Auburn wins that game on the road, you know, we're seeing growth under Brian Harson in year one, right? So we're Mm -hmm. all about finding games that are sort of 50-50, 
Right. And depending on which way they go could totally change the, the course of the season for, and again, this tier, I can rattle these off here. Ole Miss at Tennessee. Ole Miss at Tennessee is not going to decide anything, <laughs> right? It's not no. going to decide the SEC East or the SEC West. But hot damn, it's an interesting game between two teams that are going to score a lot of points, right? Yeah, for sure. And that would give, to me, it has a lot to do with momentum. So what do you have like leading up to that? And how many have you been able to pull off? So if you're like Arkansas, for example, you go Rice at Fayetteville, in Fayetteville, Texas, you know, maybe you could pull that off. Georgia Southern. And then you, you could be, you could be three and oh, if you're Arkansas, I mean, Texas would be tough, but three and oh, and then you have to play A&M in Georgia, but then Ole Miss and Auburn, Ole Miss would also be hard, but you could potentially go three and three having already played A&M in Georgia. That, that's exactly right. And if you can beat Auburn at home, then you get Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Sure, you got LSU and Bama, but Missouri's at the back end at home as well, which would also qualify as a swing game. I've got this on here, Missouri at Arkansas, November 27th. You win both those swing games, you're probably in a bowl game if you're Arkansas. And that's a yeah. huge step in the right direction for San mm-hmm. And not going three, not going zero and three at the beginning of your schedule. There's just a total difference in mentality taking the field as a team zero and three or three and zero. And I just think it can catapult them in the right direction. So I think you're right. They could go from you know they could double the amount of games they win. Arkansas could and end up in a bowl game, dependent upon a couple of those games, including Auburn and Missouri. There's a lot of the Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss. Those are hard. I think there's three, three or four, a couple of those teams could pull some upsets. And so as we'll get into this conversation, you'll see some more of those, but like Missouri at Arkansas to end the year, that could be for a bowl game. You know, we just talked about that Mississippi state at Arkansas, Arkansas is again, heavily Tennessee and Arkansas are sort of like, in my opinion, equivalent that, that they're not particularly great, but they could do some damage, right. If they pull an upset and that Mm -hmm. could get that, maybe they get bowl eligible because they pull an upset like that. So you know, with Tennessee, you would go. The problem with Tennessee is that their two potential swing games would be at Missouri and at Kentucky, and they're on the road, and that would yeah, be those tough. are tough. So That's tough. Arkansas. The the good news for Sam Pittman, Arkansas is getting a lot of their swing games at home. That's mm-hmm. a, that's an important note here. Uh, all right, so those are some of the games. The Egg Bowl is another one I would mention. Ole Miss and Mississippi State. That we expect Ole Miss to be bowl eligible by that point, but maybe not. What if they're both five and six going into that game? That would be huge. Would be. So I want to talk a little bit about, let's, can we look at Kentucky really quick before we move on? Because, and I am just, I'm on this front or light heavy. uh, What am I trying to say? I don't know. actually. Front heavy or front Front lights, front loaded. loaded. That's what I'm looking for. Um, (laughs) Schedule. I, I already think with that, the four teams you just named were the ones that I was looking at the most Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss and Auburn. Right. Yeah, those four for talking. sure. Yeah. So Kentucky, I would venture to say could potentially go four and oh through the should, well, not should at Missouri, but they get Missouri at home week two in in Lexington. So if they can pull off Missouri, they should beat South Carolina. They will knock on wood, beat Louisiana Monroe in Chattanooga. Then they have three really toughs and a bye week. But if you look at the last half of their schedule, I mean, they should beat. Tennessee, they should beat Vanderbilt. They should beat New Mexico State. Yep. And then Mississippi State is in Starkville. So like maybe that's that's the little tougher. That's the swing game. That's that's a swing game. That's that's a swing game. So I mean you're looking at that and you're like, wow, you could 
they almost could and should win eight games and could win nine if yeah if things fall in their favor, which would make Kentucky has been t- to me on the verge of teetering, you know, not necessary towards the upper part right. of that middle category of the SEC. They this could definitely put them over the edge if the season goes as planned. See, you're already ahead of schedule here. I've got multiple Kentucky games listed in our top 13 here. That will actually I don't like looking at your schedules, <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right though. They get Missouri and and, and uh, Tennessee and Florida and LSU all at home. Teams that we're not really sure how good they're going to be. Florida probably pretty good, but the other ones, frankly, Kentucky could be favored in even the LSU game. In theory, we just don't know. They avoid A and M. They avoid Bama, and they get Florida at home. So Kentucky's there's a lot to like about Kentucky. Oh, by the way, they're really good on defense. We'll find out if the new coordinator on offense is the right answer. Fringe Element is brought to you by Jasper's, this, the front runner and this year's bartender bash. Nice. It's Thank almost you. like you were prepared for that one. I like that. I was. Preparation's <laughs> cool sometimes. Go to Jasper's. They have free parking, an unbelievable menu, and a great place to watch the game. Great happy hours. Happy hours, in fact, that are putting other happy hours out of business and in, in just making them feel shameful about themselves. Free drinks. Can we make that a thing? I should stop I, saying that. I, I, I would stop saying that. Go to, okay, Jasper. okay. Go to Jasper's and pay for your alcohol. Yeah, uh, but it's worth it. However, if you are listening to this on its first day, which is, comes out on Wednesday mornings, um, then there's still time for you to go purchase a ticket to the bartender bash. Of course, that is at union station on Thursday evening from six until 8 PM. And Jasper's will be there. As a part of this competition with a bunch of other people, they've got their bartenders there. We love the bartenders <laughs> at Jasper's, and they will be competing at the in the bartender bash. This is what I love about Four Top Hospitality and Jasper's, Aaron. They are always involved in all these things that are going on around the community, whether it's a charity event, whether it's the Goo Goo Cluster thing, or this bartender bash. They're always doing something. So uh, if you're listening to this before Thursday at 6 p.m., go. Go to the bartender bash and go vote for our Jasper's bartenders, okay? And it actually, there is a philanthropic side to this. All the proceeds. Did you already say this, that go to Make-A-Wish? I did not say that. Make-A-Wish, Tennessee. Por- or por- portion of the proceeds go to Make-A-Wish, Tennessee. And they have, I think they're going to have like little appetizers there, some kind of bites. There's a DJ. Right. See, this, um, is, this is why they are the next evolution of the sports bar. And there's a $5 discount code for some new app called earth rides. I haven't used it yet. I almost used it coming home from the airport the other day because Uber and Lyft was just insanely expensive, but um, they gave you a, they give you a code. If you go to the bartender bash website to get $5 off your ride there. So you can get there sober and drink a lot of drinks and then go home. That's a great plan. I think so too. And if you, you can use all those rideshare apps to get home from Jasper's too, if you're, if you're at Jasper's or at eight o'clock when the bartender bash is over, just keep the party going at Jasper's. Actually, Braden volunteered to pick whoever goes to the bartender bash up in his Toyota Tacoma. It may take him a few trips and he said he'll go, he'll go as far as Spring Hill or like just <laughs> Southern Kentucky, but no further. So if well, you want to go, Braden's no going to pick up than everyone. Hoptown. Braden's picking up everyone. <laughs> From I, will the not, I will not go past Hoptown. That's as far as I will go. I will go to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and that is it. Uh, however, you will have to ride between the two car seats. So there's that. <laughs> You'll have so, to ride. Take be- turns, people. Between the car seats. Because <laughs> I ain't putting those things back in the car, okay? I do not, de- you know, I don't, I don't take out the car seats and then reinstall the car seats 
especially in a truck. Is that hard the, to do? In the truck, it is. You put the damn car seat in, and you leave it there for like five years. It just stays. okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Go to, go to Jasper's, by the way. I will not be driving people home on Thursday evening. Well, you just ruined the whole ad, then. Sorry. God. I don't think I. I don't think I did. I think everyone take one knew. for the team, Braden. By Pick driving up from the bar. By driving in a <laughs> hundred and fifty mile radius around Jasper's, you're saying. I'd say ish. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a diameter, actually. Um, all right. Go to Jasper's. Free parking. Great menu. Great place to watch the game. Great happy hour. You know all the great things about Jasper's. Why are you not going there? Go to Jasper's. All right, let's yep. go. Let's go thirteen to one here and do quick, sort of rapid fire glance at the biggest swing games that will decide everything in the SEC. And the last one on my list, I, I put them sort of in order here, and you can debate the order. But I put uh, the last few are are kind of about the same. I have Texas A and M at Ole Miss on November thirteenth. If A and M is scrapping to keep up with Bama, that is going to be a massive test in Oxford. You're right, because there's real the only real challenge they've faced up to that point for real is Bama. Well, right? We'll get, yeah, and we'll get to Bama. <laughs> You're not skipping ahead. In just a second. No, I know. I'm just I'm I see this differently. Braden and I, if you guys didn't know this, are different <laughs> in a lot of ways. So he's <laughs> he sees he's going through lists, and I want to like look at this like chart with all the squares on it. And so we just don't think <laughs> we have different learning styles. Continue. Uh, number 12 on the list, Florida at Missouri, November 20th. That's late in the year. Missouri could be very dangerous at that point. They've also played very strange games with Florida over the years since joining the SEC. They, we almost had the head coaches fight. It's just that that one's for some reason is intriguing to me. And if Florida is chasing Georgia, that will be after the Georgia game. That's a really interesting matchup at the end of the year in Columbia. Yep, I like that one. And you, what do you think Missouri is going to have to do? Because at, the, at this point, they're def- they'd have to be very, very developed on defense. What has where, where does Missouri have to be offensively to pull that off against Florida? To be meaningful in that situation on the second to last week of the year, they have a test with A&M at home and at Georgia in, in the beginning of November. But they would have to win probably at Kentucky. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself because I think that game's uh, one of the one of the bigger swing games in in the Eastern Division this year. He's so upset we're getting off the list. <laughs> I know. I, know. Uh, I tried to rank them. You know, I. No, I know. I appreciate that. I think you know what does Florida's defense look like, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, Missouri could if Missouri's got their quarterback humming at that point of the season, and Florida's one win away from getting to Atlanta. I'm just. It just looks like a tr- a tricky road trip to me if I'm a Florida fan, and if they somehow beat Georgia. At Missouri to end your SEC season, that that's scary to me. That that's that says that says upset alert and like giant you know neon lights. You know what I mean? It does. And with as we you and I have talked about a lot, like defense. If unless there you know if, unless there are some unfortunate injuries, defense over the course of the season is traditionally like a pretty steady upward trajectory in terms of developing and getting better and better. So I do think that if Mizzou is able to get their defense where I think it could be on November 20th. They have a really good shot at that um, because defensively Florida has struggled, but I, I just don't think Florida is going to have that many problems putting 
points up, but maybe Missouri's defense has developed enough at that um, at that point in the season to stop them. We'll see. Yeah, Texas, and then the next one on my list is Texas A&M at Missouri. That one's a couple of weeks earlier, like a month earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. And so Missouri, you look at Missouri and Kentucky. Kentucky has the far better schedule set up, whereas Missouri's got to play at Kentucky, at Boston College, A&M at Georgia. Florida at Arkansas to finish with South Carolina, you know, mixed in there. It, it's just a tougher schedule for Missouri, but if they can survive it, they have a couple of opportunities to pull some really big upsets. I, I don't think they can go into Athens and win, but hosting Florida and hosting A&M in the second half of the season, depending on how good they are, those are opportunities to pull upsets. So uh, again, I'm not calling them true swing games. That's why they're at the bottom of the list, Aaron. You know what I mean? Right. That's why yeah. we're working our way to games that could actually Florida at Kentucky, number 10, October 2nd, this is the one where like Kentucky almost wins every year and then Florida holds off. They finally pulled the upset. Um, I, I, again, this one's early in the season ish. Um, one of the, I think it's the third sec game for Florida after playing Bama and Tennessee and back to back home games, they'll go on the road and play Kentucky. I could see a letdown happen in there for sure. I, I do too. And just because they've already had that blow to their ego, I think if they had had you know, three easy games and then Kentucky, it would have been tough for Kentucky because Florida would have still had their Florida ego hats on, but you already got, you've already had to face Bama, which means you've taken at least one blow to the ego most likely. So I I do think that's, that's a potential for, for an upset Kentucky could pull that off. And you probably beat Tennessee the week before. So you're probably coming off some sort of a high, even though you got, maybe you get pounded by Bama, maybe not. Um, if they beat Bama, which is crazy to think about, yeah, and, and then beat Tennessee, I don't think they have any problem going up there and beating Kentucky and then beating Vanderbilt the following week and probably starting, you know, six and oh or whatever. Then things get interesting at LSU, Georgia, that kind of stuff. Um, and Florida that at would LSU. be really interesting. Uh, number nine on the list, Missouri at Kentucky. We've talked a lot about these two teams. They both have a chance to challenge in the East this year, potentially loosely from a distance. And the game is week two. And we've already talked about it. Like, I just think it's a huge game to decide who who's like relevant in the SEC East this year. I think it's a big relevance game. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be telling of the trajectory of the whole season, because I do think that there's some kinks that Kentucky's trying to work out right now on offense that may not be totally worked out in week two. So I'm not sure if that's going to be the most telling game. I think Kentucky pulls that one off, but you know, they've, I think that Kentucky will continue continue to get better um, from there on out because you just really can't simulate what it's like to play a conference game in the SEC. So I'm I don't necessarily know that if for Kentucky all of the kinks will be worked out in week two. Well, so Missouri will play Central Michigan, Kentucky will play UL Monroe, then they play each other in week two, which is just I just think it's great drama. Like I don't again I'm with you. I don't think it decides necessarily the east or whatever but it decides who's going to be tough to beat later in the year right it could it could decide who's playing in all these big games we just talked about florida at mizzou a&m at mizzou kentucky's got a bunch of those games too florida at kentucky like there's just it'll decide which one of those two is more legitimate and it'll who do you actually think is going to win i like kentucky as the better team right now i think yeah. if, if their quarterback situation is figured out i like kentucky yeah i'm with you Ole Miss at Auburn, October 30th, Halloween weekend on the Plains. I just, this is, there's just so much fun here with the history and Lane Kiffin's offense and Brian Harson. There's just so, this is just going to be so much fun. Ole Miss at Auburn, it will go a long way in deciding who's challenging, you know, who's going to be second, third in the West and who's going to be at the bottom. Ole Miss is coming off a pretty tough stretch right there. So they, 
I don't think it does almost any favors that their bye week is so early in the season because they got to go Bama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, then Auburn. So I that's going to be a, a really tough stretch. And I'm with you. Maybe it's not the most – maybe it doesn't really decide anything in the postseason, but I do think that those teams are closer in talent than I really remember them being. And the next one on the list is LSU at Ole Miss, which is the game before that you just mentioned. And the reason we, and the reason we're bringing, I'm in so much trouble. No, not at all. What I mean, what I mean is like the reason we're bringing these games up is because Ole Miss in a season with a win over Auburn, traditionally that would be viewed as a huge success, right? It, it may not necessarily this year by the end of the year, but if, if if Ole Miss can beat LSU at home or beat Auburn on the road, those would be considered normally very big accomplishments for Ole Miss. Same thing with like Kentucky and Missouri, right? Like all these teams, as you just, we just alluded to those four in particular, Auburn, Ole Miss, Missouri, Kentucky. And if you want to throw LSU into that group, obviously the coaches poll thinks that they're closer to the Florida and the top group, but I just think there's a lot of football to be played amongst those four teams. That's going to decide who's eight and four and who's five and seven. And that's a, that's a big difference in the sec. You're right. They're going to, there is going to be, a big jump and it's going to be decided, I think kind of right in that middle chunk of the season that we're, that we're talking about and teams are going to start going up and teams are going to start going down. The records are going to really differentiate um, between each other. And I don't necessarily know that that's because there's really that much difference in, in talent amongst those four teams that we've been talking about, but I do, that's where I, that's why I really think the order is going to matter in terms of momentum injuries who yeah. you've had to play. Did you already have to play Bama and Georgia and how beat up you are? Because in October that matters. Can your defense get a single stop? <laughs> if you're, if you're old, stop anything, all of, all of their games are swing games, man. Like at Tennessee, they host Texas A&M, they host LSU. They go to Auburn, you know, they host Arkansas at Mississippi state at the end of the year. Like Ole Miss is just a schedule full of swing games. And if they get enough stops, they're going to win a lot of those games. So Ole Miss, but maybe, but Ole Miss is also like a swing team. They've always played to the level of whoever they're playing. Ole Miss could have an just amazing season. And then there was like a four-year stretch where like Vanderbilt beat them like every single year. <laughs> so right. I I really do feel like it doesn't really matter if they're home or away. I, Ole Miss. Swing program. Is a swing program. <laughs> okay. You, I'm going to tweet that out. No, Kentucky, you know why I won't. Kentucky's turned into a, a swing program. I mean that that's the credit of Mark Stoops. They've gone from a bottom team to a swing team, right? It's same thing with Lane Kiffin. And Hugh I know, Freeze. but that's not like. But they haven't been ranked as high as Ole Miss has in recent years, no. where Ole Miss is losing to teams like all of a sudden. Ole Miss is you know playing to the level of like ULL, and you're like, wait, what happened? So I, I, all I know is Kentucky was uh, like headed towards a 10 win season and then they lost to Jeremy Pruitt. So that's that. true. And you have, you absolutely hate to see that. <laughs> yes, no question. <laughs> um, Auburn at LSU, October 2nd here, as we get into the top four or five games here, uh, Auburn at LSU, just always a great rivalry game between these two. And is going to tell us a whole lot about both of these teams fairly early in October. Always one of my favorite games to look forward to in the West. Those two, I in my head right now are the most evenly matched of the four we've been talking about. Maybe that's a controversial stance. I don't think so. But I think Missouri and I think Missouri and Kentucky are relatively evenly matched, even if those evenness evennesses don't aren't 
all on the same thing. They're not summer offensively, summer defensively. When it comes to Auburn and LSU, there's a, to me, still big question marks, but at the same time, I do feel like that's going to be a relatively even matchup and it will be a close game. Absolutely. Evennesses? Is that, is that what I said evennesses. Okay. Should okay. I, I want a refund on college. <laughs> <laughs> I think the president of the United States is working on that, actually. Um, Georgia, it's too late. <laughs> Georgia at Auburn, October 9th, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, of course. Um, number five on our list here, Auburn, uh, Auburn hosting Georgia. I don't think they can beat Georgia, but by the time they get there, Auburn will have played Akron, Alabama State, at Penn State, Georgia State. They're definitely three and one worst case scenario. If they beat LSU or, you know, Georgia at home, you're riding high. We just talked about that Auburn LSU game being a swing game. If you can go on the road and beat LSU because LSU is not as good as we think or something, you're coming home with a lot of momentum to host a Georgia team that's, you know, you know, one of your biggest rivalries. Georgia wins that game. Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. I tend to agree with you, but I'm just trying to make the case here. I'm LS- like, and and we digress. Georgia wins. Keep going. T- tied for fourth on the list. Uh, Texas A&M at LSU, November 27th. A&M, the most A&M thing ever would be to get to the last week of the regular season and, and have a chance to win the championship and then lose to LSU. That would be one of the most Texas A&M things in the history of the world to do. Also, LSU will host Florida on October 16th in the middle of the season. LSU with two massive swing games. If they win those two games at home, that's probably a 10-win team. If they lose those two games at home, we could be looking at six or seven wins for LSU. It would be in true LSU fashion also to have a shit season and then just ruin A&M's and be like really super stoked about it at the end of the year. That's what they did They're like, Florida oh, last we year. can't be good. Neither can you. We're going to keep you out. Beat <laughs> you in what, Death Valley. It means nothing to us. That's what they but, did to Florida last year. That's what they did. I know. That's it's just that's their style. They're like they're either really good or they're like bad, but they ruin other people's really good seasons. They also could be. 6-0 and heading into the Florida game, too. That UCLA, McNeese State, Central Michigan, Mississippi State, Auburn at home, at Kentucky. If they can handle Auburn and Kentucky, they could be 6-0 and hosting Florida. So <laughs> They would be, and they should, like, what the hell send, up, send up their, their gratitude to a higher power if that happens. But it, you're right. It's not out of the question. What the hell is LSU this year? What the hell? All right, the top three swing games, and these two of these come with a caveat, which is maybe Alabama can be beaten. <laughs> number three on the list alabama at florida september 18th florida would have to make a lot of strides but in the swamp it's going to be one of the first big sec atmospheres of the year if emory jones has a good start to the year uh, against florida atlantic and south florida two warm-up games they florida could be you know a probably eighth or ninth in the national rankings it could be a top 10 matchup and it's going to be in the swamp florida's got a chance maybe they've got about the second best chance of anyone all year against Alabama. But you're right. I mean, Gainesville's a really, really hard place to play. It's loud. Like we always talk about Death Valley. I mean, in Tennessee, I'd say Neyland is way, way up there. Um, but when they're, when they're good. Yeah. When they're, I mean, it's still really loud because it just goes straight up. It just like echoes. I'm partially yeah. deaf from Neyland Stadium. But, anyways, <laughs> um, that is. I mean, I, I think that although we know what Bama looks like, you have to just really hope and pray that you have other factors besides just raw talent that can help you get there. And there's not that many that can help you 
beat Alabama, but I'd say atmosphere is extremely important, or at least one thing that Alabama can't totally prepare for is they don't practice in the swamp every day and they don't play in the swamp every week. That's the only thing in my mind you're kind of just riding on. And then Florida's creativity on offense is always a threat because you have to prepare for a lot of different things. And there's a lot of different guys that can handle the ball. You know, they have a lot of weapons, but you got to be real creative and it's got to be real loud. Yeah. And I would say, you know, Dan Mullen is absolutely qualified to, to meet what you're talking about there. Yeah. And he's and, the only, one of the only ones I think that could possibly he, do that. And he just went up against Alabama in the championship game and they held their own in the SEC championship game last year. So it was not embarrassing. So right, that's a exactly. good sign. So maybe they, you move it to, like you said, you move it from a neutral site to Florida. You take all mm-hmm. those Heisman Trophy candidates off the Bama offense. Maybe you got a chance early in the year when Bryce Young is still warming up. Who knows? Yep. Uh, number two on the list, the second biggest swing game of the year. Florida and Georgia, the cocktail party. It's hard to argue that it's not going to decide the SEC East championship again. How many times has this game decided the SEC championship in the last decade? I I don't have that off the top of my head, Aaron. You don't know anything. (laughs) I I would say it's definitely been (laughs) the winner has won the, because Georgia won it three straight years and Florida won it last year. So I think it's at least four straight that the winner of this game has since Kirby smart got there, I believe. Florida's, they're both co- and they're both coming off bye weeks, which, which I is think interesting. Pretty, I think that's pretty standard for that game. Really, they always do. I think so. Um, and they, like they try to do that with Bama and LSU too, right? Right. Um, so in Jacksonville. I, in in general, strangely enough, I do not have LSU Bama on this list, like because because Bama's hosting LSU. <laughs> that's not strange because LSU is a mess. Watch them just be really good. And like we've been talking about how they're just chaos and trash all all season. (laughs) That's not a super surprise to me because at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like they've, we've been saying it all along. We don't know what they are. Halloween weekend, Florida and Georgia and Jacksonville. That's going to be wild. A bunch of people are getting arrested that weekend. A bunch of people. (laughs) Uh, Florida won, of course, the three games before that over Georgia, which I think is what led to Mark Rick partly being not, not there. Um, and I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure Florida went to the SEC championship game in uh, at least two of those. So it might be more, closer to six or seven years in a row that the winner of this game has gone to Atlanta. Um, all right. Last but not least, Bama at A&M, of course. Uh, this one is on October 9th, right in the middle of the season. It is probably the most difficult game on Alabama's schedule. It is the defining moment for Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. They tried last year and gave up 50 plus points in Tuscaloosa <laughs> this year they have a better opportunity potentially to do, to, to, to do some damage at home and we'll have some time to ramp up their team to get to that point where they can host Bama. So I, otherwise I don't see where Bama loses and Bama's the, is the champion. So I don't, I'm trying to, you know, what's the biggest moment of the season. It's definitely Bama at A&M. I think we should go to that game. I have never been to that matchup and I have never been to a game, a football game in college station. Okay. Have you? You have. I, I've been. To, I've toured the facilities and stuff down there in A and M. It's incredibly impressive. Um, but that would be one to be there for, for Alabama. No question. That's the one. What Billy, do- Billy Lucci has extended an offer for me to stay at his house, and I hear he is got a mansion. So that would be sick. Tweet, tweet at Billy Lucci and tell me and, and ask him if I if Braden can stay at his house <laughs> that weekend. Do you think that it's going to hurt or help? Texas A&M that they have a pretty manageable schedule up to Alabama. Do you think in those, when you're trying to help, it helps. 
Okay. Yeah. B- because of the team's construction this year, they're breaking in a new quarterback. They're breaking in a new offensive line. So they need, mm-hmm. they need a ramp up time, which I think yeah. they're going to get. Colorado is not super good, but that's a nice challenge out in Denver. New Mexico, Arkansas is always a crazy game between AM and Arkansas. So then Mississippi State at home, I, you, they should be undefeated going hosting Bama and should be clicking on all cylinders at that point, which is why the game is so dangerous for Bama. Bama will have already played Miami, Florida, <laughs> and Ole Miss, and yes. I'm sure will be they unscathed. Will be, they will they will be tested. There's no question about that. And uh, probably that was a good said, list, Braden. Probably, like you said, passed. Nicely done on the list. I'm oh, cool. sorry we got a little off there a couple times, but tried to keep the peace. Those during that. are your biggest swing games in the SEC in 2021. So Bama at AM, Florida, Georgia, Bama at Florida, LSU hosting AM and Florida. You got Georgia at Auburn, Auburn at LSU. I just, I can't wait. Just rattling off these games just makes me, I'm bored. It's borderline erotic just looking at this list of games because we might be able to go to some, which oh. is crazy. That sounds wonderful, Duke. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> I know. It really does. Uh, all right. So there, there you go. Announcement coming up next week uh, on the show. You'll hear the third voice. That'll be a part of our podcast for the duration of the college football season. We're very, very excited about that. So stay tuned for that until next week. But when we come back, you will hear our conversation with the athletics, Josh Kendall. We're going to talk South Carolina and all things SEC East with the good writer from the athletic. When we come back, Josh Kendall. Josh, man, always a pleasure. Great to see you. Football camp is open. People are practicing. It's an amazing time to be alive, my friend. It's better than the alternative, which is non-football season. I have in the last – I have watched two NBA Summer League games this week. And I'm a big NBA (laughs) fan, so that's fine with me. But it's also, let's be honest, a little cry for help. Well, it's been interesting, Josh, because I've seen some coaches, a crack of daylight around the conference. Josh Heupel at Tennessee, for example. I know you've been at practice at South Carolina. Um, It it is interesting that I think coaches like Tennessee and South Carolina, two huge fan bases that don't have a lot of wins to sell to recruits. I do feel like giving players a voice would be a really smart strategy for both those guys. I think so. And the access to players here has been good, as good as we could have asked for. There's, There's nobody that they've said is off limits. I'm not even sure, given the state of college football and the Supreme Court ruling last month, that they could that they could make anybody off limits anymore without getting into a right to work issue. But Shane Beamer would love to open practice up to the public. Even he 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 was here in two that most recently in 2010 and worked under Steve Spurrier, who would make many spring practices completely open to the public. And I was talking to somebody in the media this morning. And we could remember, you know, when fans would line up, would back their trucks up to the fence and sit in the, t- in the tailgate of their truck drinking beer, watching football practice. Those days have almost completely gone. I think they might return to some degree with Shane Beamer, except, of course, for the COVID elephant in the room. He yeah. couldn't do that this year because of COVID. But I expect in the future, once we get through this, Lord willing, that you'll see fans back at practices at South Carolina. The media will be – you know, I, I'll get to watch plenty of football, as much football practice as I want to watch, which is not all that much this fall. <laughs> uh, all right. So speaking of South Carolina, before we kind of branch out into the rest of the East, uh, obviously there's a lot of dudes on this defensive line. And if they are developed, they have a chance to sort of be the strength of this team. So my question is the, the, the development at defense on the defensive line and the development of the quarterback 
Which one is a bigger story for you right now as to what will determine the success or failure of the season, if that makes sense? I think it's the quarterback. The defensive line goes a good eight deep. I was looking at their second team defensive line this morning or what was their second team defensive line this morning. And at the end was Jordan Birch, who's a five-star, and Jordan Strawn, who is the transfer from Georgia State, who led the tied for the NCAA leading sacks last year. Uh, Rick Sandage, a four-star in the middle. That's the, that's the second team defensive line at South Carolina. So they feel good about that spot. I think they'll be good. And they feel really good about their quarterback. But the truth is he's a redshirt freshman slash sophomore slash whatever we're calling him these days <laughs> with two career starts who has not shown the ability in a game, spring game or, or the last two games last year, to throw the ball downfield effectively. They insist he can do it. Until we see him do it, I think there's going to be some question there. He's got an unproven to be kind wide receiving core that's going to have to help him out. They'll be able to run the ball. I think this offensive staff is pretty smart. I think they'll be creative, but they're going to have to be able to throw the ball downfield. They haven't proven they can do that yet until they do. You know, you're, you're as a South Carolina fan worried that you're going to be in the same boat that you've been in essentially since Steve Spurrier left or and even back before Steve Spurrier left, which is you cannot move the football. So if you get into some low scoring games, which is possible with teams like maybe Kentucky, I don't know if that's going to be in Vanderbilt. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Tennessee's offense. You might be able to score at will on Tennessee. Um, I don't know what Missouri's going to look like. How does South Carolina talent wise, how do they fit into that, that, that group of teams you know, I know everybody thinks Missouri and Kentucky are sort of a cut above, but like, how, how do you feel when you see South Carolina relative to Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Kentucky, always a giant round robin in the East? Where does South Carolina fit into that mix? I, I think South Carolina is at the point where they aspire to be in the Kentucky-Missouri flight. I think right now you're looking at that the, the SEC is pretty, you know, there's a pretty clear tier system. It's Georgia, Florida. It's Kentucky, Missouri. And then it's the fight for fifth down there. So I think if you're Shane Beamer, realistically, he would never say this. He may not even think this way. But if you're Shane Beamer, realistically, I think you're in the fight for fifth right now. If you beat Tennessee and you beat Vandy and you take care of – on top of that, you take care of three or your four non-conference games, you'd put that in your pocket as a victory and, and take that to the house. I don't expect this team to beat Kentucky, and I don't expect this team to beat Missouri. If they do – those are really, really good signs that you can, you know, that you can hang your hat on if you're Shane Beamer. But that that might be a bridge too far right now. I'm at a bar hanging out in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm hanging out. I'm I'm eating weird mustard barbecue, but I'm drinking a nice cold beer. How fast does a South Carolina fan next to me start talking about recruiting when we talk about their team? Pretty fast. They, you know. June was a good month for them. This is a team that – this is a staff and a team that needed any positive momentum they can get. So they had a really nice June with a lot of recruits. Now, you know, th their class is ranked in the top half of the SEC at the moment. So first time in a long time anybody can remember that. If I'm going to be the voice of reason or something less generous that some South Carolina fans would call me, your per player rating on that class is still, you know, bottom two or three in the SEC. So you've got to prove that not only 
in the future, you've got to prove that not only could you convince guys to come, but that you evaluated them well and that they were guys that could help you win. That's a conversation for down the line. Right now, they've done a good job in a really tough climate of building some momentum, of filling up the recruiting class, of getting a little buzz about themselves. If they can close with a couple of guys like an Antonio Williams from Dutch Fork, which is right down the road, that would be huge. If they can close with just two, three would be, you know, a bonanza difference maker guys, that would really show me something. When you look at the East, you've already talked about Georgia and Florida in the top tier there, which I think everybody agrees with. Do, do you, is Georgia closer to Bama? Are they closer to Clemson? Are they closer to that tier this year? Or are they closer to A&M and Florida sort of on that next tier down in your opinion? I think they're closer to the top tier. I think that, you know, I don't think you can recruit like Kirby has recruited consistently and not be right up there where they are. Now they've just got to go prove that they can do it. And again, for me, that comes back to quarterback. It's not that I doubt JT Daniels, but I'm not sure I'm fully on the JT Daniels bandwagon. I'd like to see a little more. I still fairly or not hold it against him that he didn't get that job until late in the season. Now, maybe that was injury. Maybe that was something completely explicable. But I, I can't help but hold it against him still and, and have a little bit of curiosity as to why that was. So, now, if he goes out and, and stays as hot as he was and plays that way for all of 2021, I think that they're right there. They're right there with Clemson and they'll be a headache for Alabama at the end of the year. <laughs> Josh, always choosing your words carefully. Uh, I, I appreciate that about you. Uh, they will be a headache for Alabama. Uh, always a pleasure, Nick, my friend. Nick, Nick, Nick will have to work at least five, by, five days that week. <laughs> like the rest of Americans. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. We do appreciate it. Uh, get back to practice and uh, can't wait for football, man. It's here. Thanks, Brad. That was our conversation with Josh Kendall. Aaron, good show, man. I like being able to talk about camp notes, even if it does involve a suspended player and a second-degree felony charge. It always involves an, a charge, doesn't it? I guess, yeah. You hate to say that, but I, just being the realist. I, I, well, look, camp camp gets here. Kids get back on campus. They start acting like kids. It just happens. So They wild. Although this one, although this one was acting, it sounds more like a drug dealer than uh, a kid, so... Let's not label him. It was only he More just like wanted Escobar. to share his weed. <laughs> I don't think it was the weed that was the problem. <laughs> no, it wasn't. He would have been okay. He should not. That's it's like why you got to be good at two things. Like let's not <laughs> deal both things at once. Wow, wow. Oh, all right. So that just about oh, does it. God. Again, tune in next week. I need to get um, off this microphone. <laughs> obviously, Aaron Dugan, friend John, mm-hmm. is brought to you by. Um, Jasper's educating, (laughs) stop laughing, educating your mouth from the inside out. (laughs) Wow. That was one of my favorites of all time. Jasper's educating your mouth from the inside out. I was just thinking about how much of a ripoff Vanderbilt was because I said that weird word earlier that I made up. Oh, yeah. All I could think about was. Yeah, that I overpaid. You overpaid. Educate. Yeah, that was a weird one for sure, but effective. (laughs) Go to Jasper's. Obviously, (laughs) we appreciate their support. 
when nice. you're in town. If you're in town, obviously, if you're living here, go to Jasper's free parking, great menu, great happy hour, great drink specials, great food, all the great TVs. The bartenders are amazing. Everybody's great. Everything is great at Jasper's, so go check it out. Uh, special thanks to Josh Kendall for joining us as well. A special announcement coming up next week. Actually going to happen this time, I promise. Her name is Aaron Dugan. You can follow her on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network.